Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello. Hey, John. Hi. It said that it was recording. Uh, yeah, it, it started recording as soon as you called in. Sean's on the phone, too. I muted him. <laughs> okay. Well, you put it on Facebook and WhatsApp. Um, kind of surprised nobody's on yet. I'm, I'm, hmm, so weird. Sean, can you hear us? Oh, I'm sitting there talking. I got the freaking mute button. Sorry. Hey, Joni. Hey, Sean. I, uh, I mean, I put it on the common law wise words. You forgot to put it on there, but I put it on there for you. Seven thirty. that's right. I wondered why you had forgotten. I just figured you got busy. I didn't catch it yeah, until later. Yeah, putting this video together. I I got it like 75% of the way done. I was doing this one editing process where uh, I was making kind of like, um, you know, like motion, like animation. And then I realized that I was doing it the hard way. What was the difference? Uh, the easy way is easy. Oh, uh, is that all? <laughs> no, nah, man, I meant like, what were you doing that made it hard, dork? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was trying to chop this image up in a different program and then, you know, piece it back together. And I was like, man, now I got this new software. I can just chop it up in this program. Just you know, put it two different places, have it move, and it'll be easy. And it was. After I'd spent like 45 minutes messing around the other way. <laughs> Poor John. Yeah, but that'll preach, huh, Sean? Do what? That'll preach, won't it? Doing things the hard way? Um, you tend to learn things better that way, though. Yeah. I think a lot of the best lessons you learn are learned hard. They tend to get your attention a lot better. What's the old saying, nothing good comes easy? I haven't heard that one. Uh, I heard the saying, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. I've heard that one quite a bit lately. <laughs> So Craig, Craig Lynch is on here. Hey, Craig. I don't think Craig talks much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, typically, like, he uh, is in Canada, so he, you know, he can't talk on the oh. phone Hi, or Craig. whatever, but normally he writes something in the chat. Well, what's up, Craig? Even though you're not answering back, I know you are in your heart, man, so it's okay. <laughs> what was that? Uh, 
I've just been unmuting people as they come on, but I just muted that guy back out. I'm trying to figure out how to use the board still, but I'm doing a much better job this time than I did last time. Well, considering last time, I don't think you even had a clue. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out. So, but I did figure out, you know how like uh, shows were starting and then just stopping. Um, they don't last a minute or two. Yeah, what was it? Okay, so I have it set up to where it's like I can do just a call anytime. So all I have to do, like, and it's not even me, like anybody could call in and just punch in the number and it would activate the call on the recording and that's why it was going on. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said I thought it was doing. Yeah. Which I thought was really weird that they even have that ability. Anybody could have just yeah. come in and started a show on your show. Yeah, but I don't think they could run the board. You know what I mean? But that would explain because people were checking to see if we were still doing a show. And then they'd call in, realize there was no show, and then hang up. Right. Yep. Oh, man. <sighs> How you been doing, Joni? I'm doing really good. Crazy busy, but doing good. Mm-hmm. How's Baba? Um, Baba's doing good. He's, he's kind of lonely sometimes, you know? Well, I can um, imagine, yeah. He gets kind of lonely. Especially with all the stuff going on, it's got to be hard on him. Yeah, what's hard is that um, he loves to read, and his eyesight, he's hes blind in one eye, and the eye is kind of half. So it's really hard for him that he can't read, and and um, we keep try, I keep trying to get him stronger and stronger glasses and bigger and bigger format papers, and it's just hard for him. So, and he has, he has a hard time maneuvering around a, a laptop and his tablet. So he gets pretty frustrated that he can't uh, can't get on the way he'd like to. But he's doing good. He, you know, he's, he's always a pretty, you know, chipper kind of guy. He's, he's like Jiminy Cricket. He's always kind of, <laughs> you know, make sure he's in a good mood. And, and but he is. You know, with all the stuff he he's been through, he's he's actually. Uh, has a really, really good attitude. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably would not be as cheerful as he is when I see him. He's always... That would be difficult. Of course, with age comes some wisdom, too. I think he realizes there's probably just a lot of futility and carrying a lot of hate and anger around. Yeah. But, Did I ever tell you... Did I ever tell you the first time I went over there... Like to Baba's house, he has a copy of the second treatise of government. You talking to me or Joni? Uh, I, I guess either one of you. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, li I'll listen, John. 
So, well, I mean, I was just impressed that he had the second treatise of government. I mean, it's not really a book you see most people just having sitting around. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this guy asked me the other day, he was like, if you were stranded on an island, what book would you want? And I was like, am I alone or are there other people? <laughs> he goes, if you're alone, I go, okay, I'd take Plato's The Republic. He goes, okay, if there were other people, I go, I'd take John Locke's Second Treatise of Government. He was like, you, you seem to have that planned out. And I was like, yeah, if I were alone, I'd want some good philosophy to get me through, you know, the tough situation. If I were with other people, I'd want kind of a guideline on how to how to govern ourselves on the island, like, you know, what what our rights <laughs> and how, you know, civil government should operate, how how we should interact with one another. And that's basically the second treatise is, is political philosophy. That sounds like John. Wow. So it's like you either have the philosophy of the self, you know, and what the self is, or you have the the philosophy of the group, like political philosophy. So it's like the difference between psychology and sociology. You know, psychology is the individual mind. Sociology is is the group mind, yep. how people act in a group. So does this thing automatically start recording when you come on now? Um, yeah, like, uh, uh well, it's recording now, so it looks like Farmer John says that Gus and I and Free the People, AK, everyone's running the show tonight. And then he left, but let's go ahead and get started. It's about 10 minutes after 9. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. This is the Common Law Wise Words. And JC and Shaman are going to be doing this every now and then on Wednesday night, as long as I can figure out how to run the board pretty smoothly. Tonight, we're going to be talking about direct treasury accounts because that's kind of the biggest thing on the internet and the counterculture. And I'm actually producing a YouTube video about it right now. People, uh, have been donating so i got some really good software and a microphone if you can hear me better it's because i'm actually talking on the computer with my microphone and a pair of headsets and not on a telephone um so thank you everybody who donates and um basically the direct treasury account um is, Everybody who gets into the counterculture at some point in time will run across the idea that <clears throat> your birth certificate's not you, all of the forms of identification are not you. And for some reason, the counterculture has kind of taken this idea and said, oh, well, no, it is me. And 
I deserve millions of dollars for it. <laughs> I mean, I don't get that, but that's kind of what people have picked up and kind of run with. So the basic idea is incredibly simple, and I'm just going to run down the real simple way. And Sean has done a lot more research into it than I have, so I'm going to let him kind of pick up after I run down my, my simple little version because I've been dealing with this all day long editing the video. So basically, they make a birth certificate. It's absolutely related to birth, like B-E-R-T-H, where cargo gets birthed out of a ship when it enters the border from maritime law, contract law, international law. And when they give you that birth certificate, which used to be uh, kept in, in Bible records of families' homes, um, basically the parents apply for a social security number, which is a tax identification number, as everybody would know who pays taxes or who grew up, you know, in the last half century. And that tax identification number is a corporation. It's just incorporating your living body and they attach assets to it. Assets are literally property of a dead man. They can be real or personal. Um, real assets is obviously real estate because real estate, like the term real estate comes from royal estate. And, you know, back in England and the old Europe, only royalty could own land. And then personal property would be your actual physical belongings, but mainly in a legal sense, it would be talking about money and the debts that you owe or uh, the debts that other people owe to you. And that's that's basically what assets are. And without you being a dead corporate fiction, there are no way to assign assets to you. A living individual, <clears throat> sorry, a living individual cannot have assets because obviously they're not dead. And that is basically kind of the rundown on what a um, birth certificate is there to do um, before they had birth certificates, even the paper in the Bible. It was different from the actual paper of the Bible. It was still on that kind of bonding paper that you see on birth certificates today. And also in there, it, kind of like the birth certificate, the state issues marriage licenses. And in the Bible, they would keep a record of the marriage and uh, where it happened. They would keep a record of where the baptismal happened. And of course, some of these images are going to be on the video that I'll probably be releasing tomorrow because I don't want to release it early. So with that, I'm going to hand it on over to Sean and give my brain a rest. I mean, the technical parts, I mean, John's dead on. Um, but just from a kind of a, a layman's approach to it, like I remember when we were kind of studying that, John 
<clears throat> we sent Brian to a seminar um, with Eric and Rourke. I can't remember the last names, but the, there was this thing about the authentication process, which is what Kurt Kalmbach and a bunch of those guys, um, Anna touches it, a lot of people. You know, Heather Antucci just went to prison for it, along with a couple of other people that were involved in that whole thing. And I remember sitting there, and we had this dry erase board, and um, they were kind of going over it. And when you you know, it says one of the things for the authentication process where they start moving into this name it, claim it, you know, listen to the duplicity and what I'm getting ready to say with what was going on or what is going on with a lot of people. It's like, it's not me. You can't say it's me, but it's my name and I'm going to claim it for money. And it's like, well, I just thought you said it isn't you. Well, it's not me, but it's my name and they took it. And it's like, well, you know, like John and I have taught in the past, there's no such thing as an all-capital word in the English language. So what they're doing is a conversion. It's a trick um, to give you assets, just like John just said. And <clears throat> what they do at the top of it, you know, you look for the word authority, which is author it. And at the top of the page is going to be the state. And since a state is a dead entity, it can't, you can't be born in a state. You can only be birthed. You can only be born in your mother. So they birth out this name, an all-cap name, which is a fiction, and some somehow you believe that's you, and you start using that, and you think of it like a boat or a car. You know, you're using somebody else's um, property, intellectual property, and you think it's you, and then you jump in the car and you take off, and then they tax you. Like they they're going to send a tax your way for using their property. But to use their property, you kind of got to sign over everything you are and become that person, which John's taught in the past, the representation of person is a fictional law. So in Minnesota, Rule 220 is what a lot of them use. They think they've got this little thing, oh, we got it. And you can, you know, one of the owners can claim the birth certificate. The problem is if you sit and stare at the birth certificate, you realize that your name's not on it. Like, you can't claim it because you're not one of the owners because your name's not on there. Since the all-capital word doesn't exist, there's nothing there. Even if, it, you know, even if you could argue it with your name, it still wouldn't be there because it's in all caps. And the state, you know, what it is is it goes back to what we've always taught. If you believe in the boogeyman, the boogeyman's real. And that's what they're doing with that, you know. They're tricking you and I into using their stuff so that they can claim all our value and that's where some of the stories of the vampires come from you know they're robbing real life wealth from people um with a fictional world like it can't survive on its own it's in between life and death so it has to suck the life out of us in order to move or do anything and that's why um when you represent the person, it, like they literally have to have you sign off and give that thing life and value because it has none of its own. And that's basically kind of the philosophical or layman's uh, thing. It's just it's not you. It's not yours. And if you use it, you're falling for a trap. Back to you, well, John. And it, all goes, it, it all goes back to belief, like absolutely everything goes back to what you believe what you believe to be true um kind of getting back to the birth and born 
you know, you would say that a child was born at conception because uh, technically that's when life starts and and then their birth when they come out of the womb and that you know everybody's kind of heard of the idea of traveling down the water canal and uh you know i mean to me it's kind of amazing like the whole thing's set up except the only thing that i kind of disagree with and this is the thing that a lot of people say you know they're they're robbing people they're it's a fraud and even though it's incredibly deceptive i mean it's so deceptive that i really stand in awe of whoever came up with the system because it is so manipulative it is so interwoven it is so schizophrenic it's so like the people who came up with the system that we live in today have clear multiple personality disorders <laughs> i mean if you just think about what the person is and how it functions and how it operates and how many different persons you have and these games that they play in court i mean it's clearly multiple personalities um and and that's really where person comes from is is persona and a persona is a personality but so the real trick is is to decide what you believe decide what you understand is true and that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to decide and i i don't know why because it's it's never been as hard i guess um for me but i see a lot of people struggling with it and i see a lot of people having a double-minded approach when they when they approach law and the birth certificate is an absolute awesome example that that name's not mine that name's not mine oh you got an account with a couple million dollars in it that name's mine and it's so great because to me it's the perfect deception from the other side i mean i've talked about this numerous times when we were doing the show on gus's talk shoe but i thought it was so beautiful when the first people in the counterculture started going into court and saying i'm handing over the bur the person you know they would take their birth certificate into court and they'd say i'm surrendering the person here you go you can make whatever judgment you wish to make against that person and and the other side didn't know what to do like like they were literally stunned and i'll tell you exactly what they did they said let's get these people to start claiming it well how are we going to get them to start claiming it i know we'll tell them there's an account with millions of dollars in it who wouldn't claim that <laughs> i mean to me it's like it almost just seems that simple like it's just happening in my mind like i can see what they're thinking although i can't really i'm not psychic or anything but it's like you can sit around and think about these fun things all day and that's one thing that i really like about law and thought and conceptualization of thought 
because even if these things aren't happening the exact ways that we're talking about them something's happening close to that way somebody's sitting around and saying how do we sell this how how do we sell this scam you know how do we how do we get them to just give up their money without robbing them how do we get them to just give us consent somebody's sitting around thinking about this and the real thing that puts me in awe about how the system works is that most of the people who set it up almost all of the people who set it up set up a system that they will never ever actually live to see execute its final goals they've been setting this up for hundreds of years and most of the people who were involved knew that they were never going to live to see their final goals and they were still a part of the process they were still willing to do it and if that doesn't take determination and dedication i don't know what does and even if you don't like your enemy when your enemy is that intelligent and that determined you have to respect them i guess you don't have to but that's how i feel about it at least <laughs> you know on the adverse side i feel like there's been multiple times when I've been in court or Sean's been in court or we've been in court with somebody together and you could tell that the other side was showing a little more respect. Um, in fact, I'm not going to mention this guy's name, but I know a gentleman who uh, went through the court process and the judge only fined him a dollar, one dollar after dragging him through the entire process and if you're going to tell me that he didn't have at least some respect for him i'll say that's a little crazy because if he didn't have respect for him he would have ran over him he would have given him the biggest fine he could give him you know the guy was just not cooperating not making it easy for the other side and when it was all over the man acting as judge says, well, I could find you this, but I'm only going to find you $1. I mean, that's basically like, I'd really want to let you go if I could. But somebody's going to come and give me a spanking if I do. And they would give him a spanking if he didn't do it the right way, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that's why. I mean, you know, with that thing in Polk County, it was absolutely obvious that they sent a, a few of those people down just to deal with that and that they were instructed to deal with it a certain way. And that's how I mean, you, you go gotta, when you're getting go ahead. Well, you gotta think, man. I mean I mean you look how beautifully ex executed 
and I did misspeak. It's not really robbery. I mean, it kind of does rob it, but, I mean, it is voluntary. Obviously, you have to give consent. That's the one thing. A vampire has to have your permission to come into the house. But when you, uh, when you look at how tight and how precise and how hard and diligent you have people that are considered the, some of the most evil, vicious wolves on the face of the earth, and they're actually thinking about their family members 150 years down the line. And then you look at our side and the smallest thing, and they fall apart, and it's a battle royale, maybe over just something as simple as a disagreement or a misunderstanding, and it just it's the splintering process, you know. And I can't imagine if we have to be as methodical as we are when we're helping people and think every little comma, colon, semicolon, capital. I mean, we spend a lot of time learning that. I can't imagine the other side doesn't sit around and think methodically about how they can get trick people into slavery. And when you think about it, what are they using? Vanity and greed. That's what they use. They use the the things that, you know, vanity is usually a negative. I guess greed could sometimes be a positive, depending if it's mutually beneficial, but most of the time negative. So you have all these people clamoring, and so what do they do? They put these fictitious accounts out, and it's a public – it was a public law, and I'm trying to think of it. It was a – I'm tired, and I can't think of it, and I apologize, but – that's where a lot of them get that public debt thing from, and it really was just talking about the welfare system, Social Security, other things like that. It wasn't talking about the, quote, people. And uh, they're just using that greed and that vanity, and they see that account, and what do they do? Oh, no, I'm not liable for that. I'm not li- Oh, wait, there's money there? Yeah, that's mine. And then they, I mean, they just, and and they will even just go off what somebody else said, like, they won't even research it. They just jump on board till their eyes light up with these dollar signs. And it's like it's incredible. Like that's just I mean, man, just jumping into something like that, just that quick, that's kinda of scary. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think uh one really interesting thing, like with researching the kind of uh law culture and the counterculture of, of common law, it, it became fairly apparent to me pretty early that, you know, by the time the 60s and 70s rolled around, the system was already so well established. Judges did not actually think about it because for the most part, people were kind of cooperating that's what they learned to do. That's what their parents taught them. Um, that's what school taught them. That's what society taught them. And it really, in, since 2000, I would say, it's the judges have been educated by the mainstream culture because of the counterculture. Like the counterculture would come up with a new argument and then the judges would have to go back and go, well, what do we do? What what do we do about this in law? And a really good example of that is is the uh, you know the people who put liens on judges and common law liens. Those are actually 
in law, legit. Um, but back in the 80s or early 90s, somebody put a common law lien on a federal judge down in Florida. And so the governor ordered the uh, attorney general to give an opinion in law on it. And basically, the attorney general's opinion in law was that for all the time they spent researching it, he couldn't find anything where it said that it wasn't lawful. He couldn't find any cases where it happened before. And of course, it it was legitimate. I mean, if that guy were not a judge or an officer of the state or a governor, then if someone else was in your business and they had direct business with you, like a bank, a vice president of a bank that you have a mortgage with, if you were communicating with them and basically said, hey, if you don't communicate back, it's acquiescence, and then we'll be in contracts, and they just stop communications, it would be a completely legitimate lien. But because it's a judge, you know, they changed okay, well, now we can't have it. So we're going to write statutes and say that you can't do these against judges or officers of the state or anybody who works for the state. And as soon as they get a statute written about it, then they start taking people to court. They show it to a jury, jury convicts, and then they start setting precedent because maybe the guy uh, files for an appeal, maybe he doesn't but the state starts setting precedent. So it's like, okay, we never had this problem before, but now we know how we're gonna settle this problem. Now we know how we're gonna handle this problem and we're gonna keep moving forward. And that's basically the point that it's gotten to. And the reason why judges and attorneys and officers of the state basically won't write back in a lot of cases is because when you're involved in a crime, you have the right to not incriminate yourself. And I'm not saying that what they're doing is criminal because kind of like we were talking about a few minutes ago, it's all based on consent. But even with it not being criminal, it's kind of like uh, the whole reason the judge doesn't wish to answer the question about there being an accuser or not is because as soon as the judge knowingly moves forward without the accuser, it's fraud. And, and it has to be on the record. Until then, it's just negligence. It's a presumption. There's nothing criminal about it. But as soon as it's acknowledged and that same man keeps moving forward with the court, then it becomes criminal. It, it becomes a criminal fraud. Uh, then it is a robbery. It, it's no longer voluntary. And we're getting to the point in our society today where you can be 100% right, you cannot consent, and in some cases, they completely run over it just like they do with did with Baba. And if people don't do something about that now, it's going to get worse.
and it's going to get really bad because one thing about people with power is people with power don't like to give up the power they have and when people obtain power that they don't like to give up it corrupts them and it's taken a decent amount of time for this society to become this corrupt but really it's kind of always been like that it just wasn't as open it wasn't as spoken about it was like an affair in a marriage <laughs> yeah right i mean it's definitely i mean we're at a i think we're at a tipping point i mean just but I know from having kind of been in that world and you're talking, I've been out of it for what, eight years now? Going on nine? And it's changed just in that amount of time. Like I've seen I've seen a significant uh change in the attitude of the officers and the attorneys. I mean, like you say, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But at the same time getting worse funny thing is how quick it could actually turn around you know yeah and i mean i don't know if it's getting worse as i mean i definitely think that it's getting worse in the fact that five years ago what happened to henry what happened to baba would have never ever happened they right. they would not have been that blazant about it and and so i definitely think it's getting worse in the way that they're being just openly blazant about it but on the other hand i feel like it's not getting worse it's just the system's always been pretty bad it's just now people are kind of waking up to it you know you always hear on the internet are you awake I actually like Craig. I, Craig, I never even knew this until my buddy came over to email you while I was asking him to um, help me set up that uh, Gmail Google account. You know, what is the Google the Google Drive? And he was looking at your email, and he's like, "Are you awake?" He's like, "That's clever." And I was like, "I never got that before." Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some things I was I, I I'm a blonde man. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. I'm really intelligent about some things, but some things just whoo. Well, I mean, dude, this is this is crazy stuff, man. Like, I mean, it takes a lot of thought to sit down and understand what's what's going on. I mean, it isn't something we do in four minutes. And that's 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 one of the things. Like, when we're helping people, and it's like they're having a hard time. I mean, it's it, I I don't even get mad at them most of the time. It depends on their attitude. But if they're struggling, it's because I remember what it was like. I mean, trying to Sometimes it's like trying to find a needle in a stack of needles. 
you know, and you're just, your mind's just like, oh my gosh, it can't be this crazy and at the same time this simple. It's a little bit of both, I think. It just depends on the circumstances. But one thing it is, is sadistic. It yeah, is well, definitely... I mean, I... Go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. Like, I remember, and, you know, the Oracle can speak on this, this if she wishes, but I remember when I first went up there, and, you know, they, they start showing me, and everybody that I go and see has, you know, notebooks and case files and, you know, suitcases full of documents, court documents that they're working with. And, and um, you know, I'm up there to help Baba, and they give me the first one, and it's kind of like a small case, and I just look at it, and I'm like, okay, here's the problem right here. Where's the next one? And then we get to the one with Masagi, and uh, I was like, this is an attorney, and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, this is the one I think we should start working on first, because... To me, it was like just looking at the paperwork, all I had to do was see the original filing. That was it. As soon as I saw the original filing, I said, nobody said anything against you. And they're all like, what? What are you talking about? It says right here, you know, they say here. And I'm like, yeah, but nobody swore to it. Nobody attested to it. Nobody is saying under the penalty of perjury that this is true. And they literally said nothing. They might have written some things down on a piece of paper, but they didn't say anything. And it probably took the Oracle, I would say, two to two and a half months to just understand that one concept in its entirety. Would you say that's pretty accurate? <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Am I on? Yeah, that's pretty darn accurate. It's pathetic, but uh, it really, it really was hard to uh, to grasp that. It it was because it's it's smoke and mirrors that they use. They're constantly lying and swallowing you up with papers. And, and when the papers come in, the 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 documents from the court, it's like go into a panic mode, you know, I mean, not now, but um, it's like fear and intimidation and everything they're doing. So yeah, it did take a while to just that one, just get that one, that one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's not the only one, like, I was actually over helping somebody on Monday night. And you know, it, it was just as simple as two words, with prejudice and without prejudice. Like, the entire, everything that they had in all of their paperwork came down to those two words, with and without. And if you don't know how to look at it properly, if you don't know the game, more or less, because there's a lot more to the game than knowing oh, well, nobody's saying anything here. Like, you can know nobody's saying anything there, but what are you going to do about it? You know, like, how do you move? Like, what what's the proper way to bring it to the court's attention? 
<clears throat> and this is where, you know, people I've noticed online want some sort of form format and want some sort of standard standardized. This is step one, step two, step three. And it doesn't work like that because you got to play your cards. You know, you got to you got to move, then they got to move, then you got to move again. I mean, for instance, in Henry's case, in Baba's case, we absolutely brought it up to their attention formally and proper, and they just threw us in jail. They, they knew that it was so easy for Baba that they wouldn't let him speak in the court. They knew that all he had to do was get out about three or four sentences with the paperwork that he put in, and they would be breaking more laws than they were already breaking. So it's like, okay, you know how how to move, you know how to do this, then what makes you think that they're gonna respect it? And honestly, that's the first time I've ever seen them straight run over law like that ever i've seen them make people put up a fight i've seen them put up a fight i've never seen them run over law so you know you make your move and the reason thomas took 20 minutes to decide what he was going to do is because he absolutely knew that i was the type of person i'm not just going to sit down and lie down after you throw me in jail for two days you know, I I got out of jail and I was talking to my buddy at my house and he said, yeah, I heard that you were a bad dog. You don't know how to sit and stay still. I was like, yep. So the, the real key, one of the biggest keys and the biggest secrets and the biggest trick to the whole thing is don't ever give up and don't ever stop have grit always be persistent never never let them get away with anything always point things out i mean you don't have a choice you might as well not do anything if you're not going to at least do it You're actually better off if, as long as, I mean, if you're, done, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not even going to stand, you might as well just not stand. Yeah, <clears throat> and with that, if you're not going to stand, um, you know, once you start standing, you should follow it all the way through. Because if you start standing and the other side sees you fall or stumble, they will absolutely take advantage of that. And they will punish you, just to set an example for everybody else. Because the other side does not like it when people stand up and start saying very simple things that make a lot of sense. They are very afraid of that. That's why, like, you know, in certain places around the country now, they're having people sign in rather than 
do you have an attorney? Are you representing yourself? Or do you want a court-appointed attorney? Because just with with what you can answer that with, they're they're getting worried. Because when somebody stands up and answers that a certain way, like, hey, I'm present, I'm ready to get it on, you know, do you all want to do this or not? Everybody sees it because they heard everybody in there, you know, like like chattel, like property. And and all the other you know, it's it's like uh it's like being on the on the slaughter farm and you know, all the cows seeing the cow getting led to the slaughter and then one cow's like, Uh oh, uh, I'm not going <laughs> take it away. <laughs> Yeah, they don't take very kindly to people standing up for themselves, that's for sure. I was kind of thinking of the guy in South Carolina, the one that quit, you know? Yeah. He, uh... Should have never started. He was in a really, really good position and lost his nerve, I think. Well, I think that's another thing about taking this route is, you know, everybody, you know, it's a hurt or damage to their ego to think, uh, you know, everybody wants to think I'm a man, I'm a woman, you know, I can stand up for myself. And then when they get into the middle of it, you know, even if they're winning, sometimes they can't even see it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, though. I mean, in their defense, I mean, I remember messing up my first time through because I was actually doing good and then thought, oh, no, did I just, you know? And as soon as I did that, that was all it was needed, and it made me screw up, and I had to go back, you know, for the next two rounds because of that, you know? But I learned, you know, I learned from that a lesson that I'll, I'll keep with me, you know? So, like, the mistake sucks, but at the same time, I learned a valuable lesson of what not to do, you know? Kind of like we were talking about before, the hard way. Do what? I I absolutely know, because the first time, the first two times I ever went into court to move a common law action, um, you know, like, of course I recorded it, because I record everything. And when I got home and was laying in bed listening to it over and over and over and over again, I don't know how many times I listened to those recordings, but I was like, oh, that's where he got me. <laughs> that's where he stumped me. And, like, uh, the first time I ever went in, uh, where he got me was he asked me what my idea of common law was. 
and I messed up completely. And I said, I don't know, but every book I've read says that it, it's unwritten. <laughs> you know, it's not written down anywhere. <laughs> and he was like, oh, so you get your ideas from books. <laughs> I know how to control the situation now. Yep. <laughs> You're this a boy reader. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was like my thing, man. I mean, I, you know, I knew not to get off step one, and that's where I had it kind of lynched in. And then because I wasn't really sure what to do next, I went to step two, and I never should have left step one. Um, and because of that, you know, I screwed up, and that's how I ended up in a deposition, whereas I should have been just walking out of there the first time. And uh, I had to, you know, kind of rattle my way through three three hours instead of 30 minutes, you know. So like well, I said, you know, another, mistake, I learned something. That's another good example of, you know, you don't – I've never seen a judge use – the same trick as another judge. I've never seen the same judge use the same trick twice. So it's like that's going back to the idea of none of this is uniform. You know, you you got to know how to play the game if you're going to win. And one thing that I find with people, especially when they're stuck in court situations as a defendant, is, <clears throat> you know, typically – they're so angry, and anger is a very, very bad thing when you are in court because when you're angry, you are there to fight. You are in fight mode, and you don't want to be in fight mode when you're in court or when you're at court. You wish to be helpful and courteous, um, because that's the way you win. The biggest thing that I took away from Bill Thornton and his teachings was he would always say, uh, you know, I'm not there to fight, I'm there to win. You know, I'm not there to fight, I'm, I'm there to win. And if you win, who cares about the fight? The fight's not important. Winning is. Well, I mean, when you think about it, it wasn't until I calmed down, you know, and I got this idea that it had to be a battle, and that just kind of brought something to my mind. I know it's not necessarily just this simple, but, like, if the name is not yours and they're not really against you but they're against this person, what are you fighting about? Absolutely. like, I understand the way it appears, and because I, I felt that way, and I felt the fear, and I felt the stress and all that. And uh, if I had to go back through that process, I probably would, to some degree, feel anxiety, but it would be nothing like it was. And it's like, until I was able to calm down and realize, wait a minute, you know, if it's not really me, then they're not really going after me. They're going after their stuff. And they may or may not be right on that, you know, but that's up to them to decide, not me. That really helped me calm down. 
And that doesn't mean I still don't think they're deviant or anything. It just it's a different way of approaching it. I just don't think the fighting anger hate mentality that just eats you alive and sooner or later ends up consuming you. Not the other side, I think. Yeah, and I mean, getting back to the whole idea of what you were just talking about with the person, I actually know a, a man, Mennonite John, and he went into the appellant court and he had a bunch of traffic violations because he was Mennonite, so he didn't have a driver's license and he didn't register his vehicle and so obviously he didn't have insurance either. And there was a period in time where, you know, the cops would just kind of pick on them and arrest them whenever they saw him out or, you know, they recognized his vehicle. And so he actually went through the appellant process and he went before a three judge panel and he told them that there's a difference between the man and the person and the appellant judges absolutely agreed with them and they asked him for his consent they said well in this one instance in this one final instance will you allow the person to to bear liability for this situation and, and basically what they were saying to him was can we just balance our books like will, will you just say that the person's guilty and we won't mess with you anymore because you're the man and we recognize the difference between the person and the man but for the sake of balancing our books will will the person bear liability for this and he he agreed and he never he was never messed with again and that's one thing that I've seen as kind of a common thread is that when people do go through this entire process and make it on the other side, um, typically the other side doesn't mess with them anymore. They, they, you know, I mean, I know for a fact, like I've had cops run up on my car and I know that they were going to pull me over for speeding or doing whatever I was doing to get them to run up on my vehicle. And they recognize the vehicle and and pull off. They pull away. So, I mean, I know that happened to me at least three times in Polk County because driving home, and it was about an hour and a half away from my house. So sometimes I'd be speeding through Columbus to to get you know to pick up Malcolm on time or to get back home or just whatever I had to do and they because it's a small town they set up those speed traps because the highway drops from 55 to 25 pretty quickly and there were several times where an officer would run up on like he'd have the speed trap set up and he'd run up on my vehicle and then he just turned around went back to setting up the speed trap cops would never set up a speed trap man come on <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, 
we should probably do a show one day on the history of police because I don't think a lot of people understand that police are are solely a corporate uh, private entity like the first police department that was set up in England was set up to monitor the uh, the docks of London and basically they were a private police force to save merchandise from you know just walking off the docks <laughs> well that's funny because today i went back and revisited i don't know why either i skipped to part four and um it showed where i had watched it right up to the 49 minute mark and then i guess i must have quit watching it but i wish to goodness a year ago i had <laughs> finished that that series and uh in the next couple of days i'm going to send you something because i got to write it down but you're going to love it it's pretty it's, it's some really good stuff i'll make sure to get it to you but i got to go back through and transcribe it yeah what's it about Brown versus Railroad, a couple other cases where they went back through, and it just reminded me, and I wish I'd known about those cases when I debated that DA. It's talking about how many times they brought it up. Um, Barron versus the mayor city of Baltimore, but the interesting part was how he likened it to the, he tied it into the districts and uh, was showing how, in one case, they said the district of, uh, what state was it? I'm just going to make one up right now because I can't think of it, like Georgia, the District of Georgia, where it was one of the few cases where they actually recognized that the states had become districts because they're territories, and uh, how the uh, Bill of Rights, how they, how using the 14th Amendment, which we know that why that was created, but um, how they used that to kind of traverse everything and get everybody pulled in and then they said well if you're a uh, you know if it's a political through the 14th amendment then you can claim the amendments um the, the bill of rights <clears throat> but then uh i don't know man there's a lot of info in there but it, it's it but what they were saying was how they they ruled that due process and it's through due process that they allow the 14th Amendment to of a citizen to access the Bill of Rights only in such cases. And then it's talking about double jeopardy and a bunch of other stuff. It's really good stuff, though. I, there's just some case law in there I wanted you to see that I'll have to get to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting how how people interpret the Bill of Rights, um, especially in the common law community because the bill of rights like uh you know the fourth amendment or you know the second amendment or somebody saying that they're going to plead the fifth the bill of rights was really just enumerated rights of what existed at common law um it was just you know the common law is unwritten and this was just one place where they wrote it down uh so 
all of those rights exist and a lot of people don't I, I don't think really understand that all of those rights existed before the American Revolution. Um, you know, those were all rights that British subjects enjoyed. Um, and it's basically because the Anglo-Saxon people had a real problem with somebody else telling them what to do or invading their privacy or you know, making them talk when they didn't want to talk. <laughs> what was interesting you know, in these court cases? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done, buddy. I'm I, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to add that, um, you know, in England, like in 1307, when they disbanded the Knights Templars, uh, England was the only country that didn't torture Templars for confessions. Because they owe the money. <laughs> no, it was, it, it was because of their law. Like England was the No, I know, man. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. In these court cases that I'm going to show you, it's talking openly, openly how the United States is a company, corporation, um, in the states and how they're like these individual talking about like these cities these towns are all individual uh companies or corporations is how they refer to them and it's just like right out in the open i mean you're talking in 1954 quoting 1878 1833 law i mean or uh court cases that have never been overturned and showing how that the bill of rights was literally written for the people which at that time was what 280 some people or something yeah i don't know the number. Assembled. yeah that's it they're the inhabitants of the district of columbia that's it for themselves and their posterity it has nothing to do with anybody else it was for their own government and that's what it, i mean it's so blatant and then in these other cases it very re reiterates and verifies it and they quote it like and and some of the similar things it usually centers around the Fifth Amendment for some reason, but like in Brown, I think he was quoting the Fifth Amendment, trying to claim the Fifth Amendment. Like I said, I'll get I'll get it to you. It's really really good, yeah, well, interesting stuff. You bring up a really good point that I also think that people kind of miss out on a lot, and that is, you know, the reason why only white landowning men. And it probably wasn't just white landowning men. It was probably any landowning man could vote um, back after the Constitution was established was because it was a corporation. And if you didn't own land and you didn't produce goods and services that were going to be exported and you weren't producing, you know, some type of refinement of goods imported, then there was really no reason for you to vote because you know, the federal government was just established to set what we would do in trade with other countries, you know, how we would commerce with the outside world and other nations. And, and that's really all it was established for. So if you weren't a part of that company or you didn't have something to offer, 
uh, in the ways of goods or services or finances, then there really wasn't a point. It's kind of like, if you're not a Microsoft stock owner or preferred stock owner, then they're not going to allow you a vote when they have a Microsoft vote on, on some type of policy that the corporation's gonna do and the uh, stockholders are gonna vote on because you don't own any stock in it. It had absolutely nothing to do with race. It had absolutely nothing to do with gender. It was, you know, do you own stock in this company or not? And if you own stock, you had some sort of vested interest. Which in the 1833 case, John Marshall had like, uh, I forget how many shares. It's either 7,000, oh yeah, 7,000 shares in some of the European banks. Some of his rulings were just smart for him. Like I said, it's a lot of good info I got to get to. I just wish I'd listened to it a while. You finished listening to that a long time ago. So, well, anyways, it's kind of getting a little quiet. Does anybody have any questions or anything to say? I don't know what you actually push to uh, raise your hand, but if I see somebody, hey, I'm looking at somebody. I think it's like a star two or six or something, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it's star six to unmute. Oh, that's right, star two. I don't know, star five, star two. It's a number. Well, someone's raising their hand. It looks like Stan two four nine, but they're on the computer and they can only view. It doesn't have a microphone that I can click on. Did they type something? I don't know. No, it just a hand keeps coming up next to it. Um, but if you type a question into the chat, we can read it or... Oh, well, that's why that wasn't working. So I guess if uh, nobody has a question or anything to talk about. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a little a little bizarre, and I don't really know how to frame the question. So I'll I'll mention a few things, and then you can kind of give me some input on it. So on WhatsApp, somebody posted. A video about the Vatican and our name and how they take the name. Um, I don't know if you saw that 
video. It's kind of interesting. It's a little bizarre. Um, and I'm trying to frame that around what you said earlier about um, the name being in all caps. You know, every time I've gotten paperwork from an attorney from the court, it was everything was in capital letters. Um, and so there's a differentiation between, you know, who you are as the person versus, and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. So, and I don't know how accurate that video was on WhatsApp, because um, like I said, it's pretty interesting but bizarre. And you mentioned earlier about disassociative disorder, CID. You know, going, you know, fragmenting into into different uh, identities. Um, that somebody was really crazy or brilliant to put together how the system works today. So, taking all that into context, if they take or they do take on who we are, and they do this thing with the birth certificate that I'm still not totally familiar with, and they they take that, are they not disassociating you from your name from the beginning of birth? Uh, you know, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to ask? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I guess kind of the easiest way that I can answer that is, it, you know, your parents give you a, a surname or a given name. Um, and legal it's a surname and and that's basically like you could call it your christian name and then the government takes that name and puts it in all capital letters and they place it on their birth certificate so for instance you're in north carolina it would be you know the state of north carolina's birth certificate and so it's not actually your name at all um they're just basically taking your parents' idea of what your name is and they're creating an account that is a birth certificate and they use that birth certificate to create a uh, a corporation in the form of um, in the form of a social security card. And like uh, some places, you know you said that you get things from the court and um your name's in all capital letters some states do that for instance down in south carolina that's not done from the court uh but say you get like a credit card like every credit card company is going to put your name in all capital letters because that's the way they diminish your rights that's the way that y'all are on equal playing ground if you ever have to go to court um so i've never seen like a credit card or banking statement or some type of uh commerce that doesn't have the name in all capital letters but to answer the question it's not your name it just resembles your name it's actually the state's name that they kind of assign for you and they just take the name that your parents gave you and capitalize it and you know getting 
to capitalize it. They capitalize on it. You know. Because they're going to gain capital from the birth certificate and from having you have credit. It looks like somebody has their hand raised here. Did that answer your question efficiently? Hey, JC. It's Matt. I just hey, what's up? Wanted to, um, I was actually the one that posted the video that Oracle was just talking about. I think that was Oracle. Yeah. Um, um, another way, uh, another way you can look at it is, you know, corporations have capital, and that the all caps name is the capital to the corporation. Another way of looking at it. That's kind of the way I look at it. To help, kind of to help me, like, how do I? wrap my mind around this concept of the all caps name. One of the ways I do it, just to... why it's all capital. Exactly, you were just saying that, JC. Well, you have a social security. Yeah, I mean, do you ever see a corporation, um, you know, put a label on its gear, especially you see that in schools and colleges, there'll be the, the, the rolly chair in, in the, uh, the library, and you know, have a metal tag on the back that says, you know, Uni University of... Uh, Arizona or whatever, you know, you know, have a serial number. Same thing, social security number, serial number. This is the same thing. Just marking their property. They're claiming you as their property. Hey, hey John. Yeah. Like, hey Matt, if I may, is that video? I didn't watch it, but is that dealing with the Sastic Trust and the the? Uh, uh, no, I don't. He doesn't get into it. It's um, it's Jordan Maxwell. What he was, oh, okay. was referring to, um, I think. And now I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say this. Uh, some of the information in that video for the people who watch it, some of it is accurate. Some of it is, is, is. You got to take it with a grain of salt. But some, but the thing, some of the things he does speak about in that video are absolutely 100% accurate. And it's the, the way that he, he phrases it, um, phrases those things that. The, he kind of is able to simplify them the way that J.C. and Shaman can simplify them as well. But what he was talking about in the Vatican was talking about what the Vatican does is how they make a legal claim to you is what they're doing is they're, um, they're actually claiming the afterbirth and the placenta, which is, um, you know, technically part of, you know, some of it part of you, and they're claiming that and saying, okay, you're, that is technically still part of the, the child that's being birthed. It's been abandoned by its mother, so we're the Vatican. We're, it's our job. We're the Catholic Church. We're going to take in that abandoned child, even though we all know it's just dead tissue. We're going to take it in. And you know what? We're going to, and oh, we're going to name, we're going to name it the same thing as, would mom and dad name it? Okay, mom. Then we're going to name it the same thing, and that's that's what that video goes and talks about what the all caps name is and how it's really the the Vatican. And I, he doesn't. It sounds very sophisticated esque, but he doesn't actually come out and talk about that. 
know, take that with a grain of salt, people, because that it's. I'm not saying I, I believe the Vatican thing, and I'm not trying to put that out there. You know, I'm just trying to explain what the video was talking about for frame of reference. It does carry, it does carry your DNA. Oh, and yeah, it does. What, yeah, it, it, yeah. And what a lot of people have done that I know have um, taken the afterbirth and the placenta, and they freeze it. They keep, they keep it frozen. <coughs> and later in life... <coughs> They're able to take the cells and use stem cells for yourself if you get like an autoimmune disease or something like that. There's labs that actually keep it frozen for you for 30, 40, 50 years. So anyway, all that was kind of bizarre but really interesting. So I didn't know how that fit into to some of this. In, in that video, the, the, the beginning part of that video, when he's talking, of, when, he, when he breaks down the basics of, I think that's the same video where he's talking about commerce, um, finance, and that kind of stuff, and where these meanings come from. You know, that stuff is absolutely accurate, um, if that's the same video. Because um, I think there was two. Um, you know, why banks are called banks currency, all that kind of stuff. JC, you, you have a way of being able to say that that's just it rolls off the tongue. It's very poetic. I don't Yeah, well Jordan Maxwell, like uh he was a great researcher. Um he came out with a lot of information. I mean, I was watching a lot of his stuff back in like two thousand nine, two thousand and ten and on the very basics of the words and how commerce and how they're the words in commerce are exchanged uh you know he was definitely the first individual that introduced me to a lot of that stuff like uh you know a bank's in every city and a bank is at the edge of the shore and you know and a bank is the edge of the river and the river takes the current to the sea which is currency you know, and then you go into the birth and the birth, like B-E-R-T-H and then B-I-R-T-H. Um, so he was definitely one of the first people that inter introduced me to those ideas, but I've never really heard him um, introduce ideas on, on how to actually move uh, at court. He just introduced the ideas of where these, things originate from how they started mixing commerce with uh common law or the law of the land or you know god's law natural rights and how they kind of entrapped in people um using language and and he goes into the vatican a lot uh i think technically from the English side of law, uh, there was the Lost at Sea Act of 1666. And I know that they used to do this, and I know they don't do it anymore, but when a child was born, you know, the, when they gave the birth certificate, they actually publicized for anybody to claim the child, um, but they kind of published it in, you know, this little section that nobody reads and nobody's going to pay attention to. And if you don't know, then obviously you wouldn't go and claim your child. Um, and that's how they 
originally started the uh, birth, you know, like, you know, the birth of the person in England. And of course, they quit doing that after the American Revolution over in the colonies because the people who actually fought the revolution absolutely knew what was going on with that. The, there was no secret to them. So, and I mean, getting back to commerce and like banks and currency, bench actually comes from bank, uh, the etymology of it. And I've only seen that in um, really good etymological dictionaries and law libraries. So the judge is literally always ruling from the bank or from the bench which is why typically judges rule in the favor of the bank. Um, when you look at the way that a court is set up, you know, you have the bar. The bar is actually like if you're on a ship, it's where you would step up to the helm and they have that kind of bar up to the helm. And when people were out at sea uh, and somebody was accused of some sort of crime they would always wait till they got back to the banks of the shore before they would hold some sort of trial and typically the captain would hold the trial and be on some type of step or some type of higher chair than the parties uh, at the helm of the ship and the reason they would wait to get back to the banks of the shores because obviously if you have a bunch of really upset and angry people um out at sea and this guy's accused of something that he may or may not have done when people are traveling out at sea for you know one two maybe three months at a time you're not exactly thinking properly <laughs> So they would wait to get back into town and they would typically let the crew have uh, liberty, which liberty literally means shore leave. And when the crew would return from liberty, that's when they would hold the trial in most cases. Every now and then that wasn't the case and you would have somebody having a couple hundred miles swim or they'd be swinging from the on the mass. So does anybody else have any questions or something to add? Somebody added here on the chat saying that Mexican women often eat the placenta becoming pure American while later breastfeeding the maternal to the baby or the material to the baby. Okay. Okay. Um, Stan, I'm still not seeing your hand up or microphone for you. I'll tell you what, I'm just gonna unmute the whole board. 
So, Stan, if you can talk now. Is that money, Mike? Yeah, that's yeah. money, Mike. Yeah, I'm just gonna mute that guy because I have some background noise. No, that's fine. So, Stan, can you? Uh, are you trying to speak or? Okay, well, I guess um, thanks everybody for coming out this evening and uh, hanging out with us. We we enjoyed your company and like I said, just conspiracy. I'll be releasing a video tomorrow. I'll probably take my time to finish editing it just so that I make sure that's exactly what I wish to to publish and. Uh, I don't know why, but I just got muted. So um, at some point in time, we'll have a show again. And if you wish to find us, you can go to Facebook at Common Law Shamanism on Facebook. Just ask to join and we'll put you on there. Uh, and we'll probably publish a day or two before we have a show or plan on having a show. Um, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'll be out of town. And same with Christmas. I don't know what day Christmas falls on. But I would say that those weeks are definitely not going to have a show. And, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for your support. And... We will talk soon. Y'all have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.